This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey there, it is episode 14 of The Real Mom Podcast, and today I'm talking to Jamie Cabe, who is the adoptive mother of seven children through international adoption, adoption through the foster care system, and she's also the founder and director of the Forgotten Initiative. We have a great conversation where I was amening and mm-hmm the whole time. She really brings great thoughts on having a big family, on adoption, and what God is teaching through it, and self-care. This is a good one. So enjoy episode 14 of the Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Jamie Cabe. Jamie is a mother of seven children. She is the founder and director of the Forgotten Initiative. She is someone that basically I want to chat with and decided to record. So hi, Jamie. How are you? Hello. I'm hoping for all the advice right now. So we'll we'll press record, but really, I'm just hoping to uh, learn from you for the next few minutes. So, Well, I'll do my best. So let's start by talking about your family. Tell me about your family. All right. So we have seven kids, like you said. Um, The oldest is 15, and our youngest is now six. Five of our kids we've adopted, um, two are biological. One was born in Guatemala, one was born in Uganda, and the other three we were foster parents to, and then ultimately that turned into an adoption situation. Okay, so let me ask you about um, the age order, and did you stick with birth order? Did you have biological children first and then adopt? What was, what was that like? Yeah, we ended up sticking with birth order. Um, That wasn't necessarily, well, for, I'll start with this, is adoption wasn't even in our plan. We got married young. I was 19. My husband was 21. We had our first baby a couple years after that. And I remember specifically when my firstborn was just a few months old, hearing a story of adoption on the radio. And I got the sick, sinking feeling in my stomach. And I prayed, Lord, I hope you're not trying to tell me something. And so that was truly, it was a fear. It was like kind of, I even remember someone around that time going, hey, would you ever consider adoption? Um, and I was like, well, if we can't have our own kids, sure, maybe, you know, so that was, that was where we were. And so ultimately it was just a, a God thing of him bringing us awareness to the orphan, helping us to see firsthand some families, some friends of ours who brought home kids. And I realized this is not a statistic. These right. are children. Um, and just kind of beginning to understand that awareness turned into curiosity and ultimately to prayer and to action. And so when we adopted our son from Guatemala, he was just a 10 month old. Um, as we tried to adopt again after that, we had a lot of problems trying to adopt. And during that time, there was a possibility of going out of birth, birth order. We found three kids that we were actually pursuing. And the oldest would have been a few months older than our oldest. And we felt like maybe that was okay. Um, But ultimately that that didn't work out. That wasn't God's plan. And he led us to foster care, which led us to our three kids who are full siblings. 
um, which led us to adoption. And then ultimately we ended up adopting again from Uganda. So the birth order thing just kind of worked out. Okay. I don't know that it was super intentional, um, but I think it's been helpful. Okay. All right. So I have a few questions from what you were just talking about. First of all, I went on a missions trip when I was a teenager and came home and said, God spoke to me. I'm going to adopt from Guatemala. Hmm. By the time my husband and I were ready to adopt, it Guatemala was closed. I think they just reopened a few months ago, right? You know, I don't even know if they've reopened. Yeah, that I that think, might be. I think it it's within the past few months things changed there. I have wow. a friend who's a missionary there. Um, but so it's been closed for 10 years or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah. In fact, and, we brought our son home from Guatemala. It was 10 years ago and it is shortly after that and closed. Yeah. So yeah. So for me, it was a, I, you know, I'm going to adopt for Guam, from Guatemala one day. And it was something that I always held in my heart. And then it was like, okay, God, what are you doing here? But really seeing, and I, I come back to this all the time. It was something that God taught me. Sometimes he allows those things to stir something in your heart. So you talked about kids that you were possibly going to adopt and that didn't happen. Something that I'm sure you felt like God was leading you to, but then God closed the door on it. And just seeing that there are those times where God put something in your heart or leads you in a certain way because you thought it was for one thing, but really he had some other intention that was just for your heart (laughs) through the whole thing. Absolutely. um, Yes. I've experienced that many, many times. So when you went to adopt the second time, was Guatemala what was on your heart? Yeah. In fact, um, but Guatemala had already closed at okay. that point. And so we did try to adopt from the United States. That was kind of where we felt, let's try an infant from the States. And God took us on a journey that just, it was no upon no upon no. Um, and it was an incredibly painful journey for me. Mm-hmm. I remember when it really started, I'd say it was May of 2008. Um, and we heard about a little girl who was Down syndrome, um, and she, she, that was something that was super scary for us. We actually had never considered special needs or anything, but God took our hearts in a matter of a couple of days and turned us around where we were ready to adopt her and say yes. And then ultimately it was a no. And so that no was crushing. And I remember falling on my bed and just crying and calling my husband and said, saying, honey, come home. I need you. And then that just kind of began. That's always a big, like a, an Ebenezer moment in, in my life, because I remember then it was several adoptions later or failed adoptions. Actually, let me say this. It was several opportunities for adoption. Later. Okay. They weren't, there was none that had actually gone through, but many, many no's. Um, but then it was now several months later and we found out another birth mom had said no to us. And at this time we were in a a hotel, we were on a vacation and my husband walking up to our room and he said, do you need me? And I said, you know what? I just need to be with Jesus right now. I just, and I I fell on my bed and I just cried out to God and said, I don't get this. This doesn't make any sense at all. This is a good thing. We can have children. Like, and yet you've called us to adoption and you're now saying no. And it doesn't make sense and it hurts. And it was just like God said to me, Jamie think back many months ago when you were first heartbroken through this, you called your husband first. Now think about right now, you're calling on me first. So cool. It it just hit me. That's everything. I mean, 
just that in and of itself, drawing me closer to the heart of God through the, the pain and the nose is everything. Yeah. And you know, God, God is always good all the time. So we know that he has a good plan, but so often we don't see it. So it's so merciful when he allows you to see it within a few months. It was a few months of pain and difficulty, but for you to be able to see within a few months, wow, God, this is part of what you had for me. This was about me and you, not just about these kids. Yes, absolutely. And I would say even taking it from that point, then I kind of felt like, okay, God, you've taught me the lesson now. Thanks. Now let's, let's bring a baby. Right. <laughs> and again, we had several more no's after that. And, but through that, through those no's, he taught me one, it's not about me. Um, and just because I say no, doesn't mean you've been doing something wrong or it's, or you misheard me or you weren't supposed to be on this journey. It just means no, it's not, this isn't the right thing at the right time. And ultimately then he really changed our perspective and he opened our eyes to foster care. And he, he said, it's not about bringing a child into your family. And obviously none of this was audible voice from him, but I felt him clearly say, it's not about bringing a child into your family. It's about bringing your family to a child. And that is when we, our eyes were open to foster care. We started foster care classes. We started to understand, oh my goodness, there's families here that just need help. And they need, they need people to come alongside them. And it's not necessarily about just having a child for you. It's about caring for a child so a family can hopefully be reunited. Mm. How scared were you of foster care? Because I was, I was terrified of foster care. I was terrified of adoption from foster care, mm. that there would be a parent who was living close. I was I said the the cardinal sin of I could never do that. I would get sure. too attached. I, how scary was foster care for you? It was absolutely scary. Um, but I would say this is that God had taken us on this journey. And so kind of at this point, we were kind of rearing to like, we're ready to serve, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's like God had changed that perspective to the point that it wasn't just about us bringing a child into our lives. And so I think that because of that, he, we were really excited too. Um, obviously once we started then, then it's like, oh my goodness, this is hard and this is scary. And this, I feel vulnerable. And there was a lot of fear actually after starting foster care than there was even before starting foster care, because all of a sudden I felt very exposed. And you took a sibling group of three children Where were they in the, how long were you at foster care before that happened? They were our first placements. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. And so, but they, they started with the two brothers. They came in um, and then five months later, their sister also needed a home. She had been living with a grandma. And so we went from, at that point, then we had three kids. So we went from having three kids to having six kids in about five and a half months. So yeah, so (laughs) life turned upside down. So let's talk about some of the dynamics of having a big family. I mean, I have five, so sometimes six, so it's not seven, (laughs) (laughs) but even just looking at that age range, I'm like, okay, I know what it's like to have a six-year-old and we feel like sometimes having a six-year-old and a tween is like, and then you have a teenager. So you're kind of in all the seasons. How do you stay intentional with your children? Yeah. And this is something that is so very important to me, and I definitely don't do it perfectly. And sometimes I feel like I'm just doing it terribly. Um, but I would say 
one thing is I've asked a lot of people from big families. I said, how was it? Did you feel like just a number in your family or did you feel like your parents heard you and knew you? And many times they didn't feel that way. And so that was very sad to me. And that's something I want for my kids so much. I don't ever want them just to feel like one of the crowd. Um, I actually was just talking to my teenager about this last night, um, saying that is never my heart for you. I want you to always know that you, I hear you and I see you. And so one thing that we do is just having real conversations with them. Um, but going on dates, we work hard to try to take one of them out on a date. And honestly, I will tell you, we have not been doing well lately. Um, but essentially the idea is every for seven weeks in a row, I will take one kid out each week, like Saturday morning breakfast or whatever. And then the next seven weeks, my husband will take out one kid each week. That's the goal. It does not always happen like that. Um, but we are very intentional and the kids now remind us whose turn is it? It's my turn for a day. It's time. And so that's been good because it's just this one-on-one time. I think just opportunities, especially even when they're younger and they're running errands with you. Now they're six up to 15, like I said. So I can actually run errands by myself, which is glorious. I was going to say that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I am waiting for. Yes. Yes. But when, when they're young, taking just one with you and calling as a date, I mean, we would call those dates a lot, you know, And just talking to them, asking them questions. When we go on dates, trying to be intentional about our time together. Like, so what's what's your favorite something right now? Or tell me about what's made you sad lately. Um, you know, just things like that that you're just you're really interested. Lighting, leaning on the table and looking at their eyes and and being so interested in them. Um, I try to like at night uh, for dinner. Excuse me, at dinner time, we always do best and worst. And so that's just very simple, but it's what's the best thing about your day and what's the worst thing. And we call you know, it high low. Yep. Same thing. Exactly. And it's just kind of a nice way for everyone loves their chance to talk. It's also a good opportunity to teach respect for each other because usually <laughs> once they've had their chance to talk, they don't care about anybody else. Right, right, exactly. And so I'm constantly like, Hey, show respect. They showed respect to you. You know, all of these things. Another thing that we do um, is Bible time at night. And this is where we're just sitting around. My husband breaks out the guitar. Um, We sing a couple songs, but it's just a short devotion that he just, and then he asks them, how can we apply this to your life? And so it gives each kid, whoever wants to talk, they don't all have to talk, but an opportunity to really be heard. You know, what's something you thought about this or what's something you learned? And how often do you do that? Bible time is, well, again, the goal is every night except for really? Sundays, except for Sundays, because we have Bible time at church and we need yeah. a break. <laughs> we already, <laughs> have. yeah. Um, but that is our goal. We've done horribly again in the summer. I mean, but I think that having goals and having kind of set standards right. is really important because it right. kind of is your guide to go back to when you do fall off the ladder or fall off. You know, I have a friend who says it's when you hit the rumble strips on the road, like on the highway you feel that you feel things aren't quite right. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means you got to course correct a little bit. And so I think having those kind of things, something my husband and I were just talking about today actually is what starting a prayer journal for our kids that where we have things that we know that they need prayer on. And then also asking them, what do you need prayer on and writing it in and then praying together and keeping track of that. So we can look back Um, but I think just being interested in them is one of the biggest things. It doesn't have to be a a huge thing, but just like, man, I really like you. Mm -hmm. I think you are, you're a cool kid. You know that? Like, I am so glad I get to be your mom. 
And then I point blank ask them, do you feel like I hear you? Do you feel like I know you? Like, I just ask them, like, do yeah. you feel, and there are times that they'll say, uh, not right now. And then there's times they're like, yeah, I do. And so I think just those things, just really being intentional about being interested in them. I love the idea of the prayer journal. My husband and I have kind of been talking about this recently. Part of having a bunch of kids is all the, the sin just like combines into like one glob of everyone. (laughs) And you kind of don't sort through where everyone is strong and weak and what you're working on. So it kind of feels like all the kids are fighting all the time instead of like, you know what, this child is consistently sharing and we need to honor that and encourage that and be grateful for that. And this child is consistently using hands instead of words. And we need to be addressing that. And, but I love the idea of praying over it. I mean, just going to God with those same things and sort of taking the two ideas of let's stop back and look at each person as an individual soul, not just our kids are struggling with this, but okay, each child and praying for them and sort of reorienting. That's what we did the other night is, okay, what's everyone's thing right now? You know, we can't be on everyone about everything. What's everyone's thing, but to also just be prayerful in that. And I, I love your thought about having a goal because when you said every night, I was like, oh dear. (laughs) <laughs> there's there now no for condemnation for those right <laughs> right and I'm like but every night but that you're right I want that so let's make that the goal and if it's yeah. four times a week then we're great. that's huge right even if it's one time a week I mean you think you look back on life and your kids are going to be like remember when we did bible time every mm. night and they're not going to know it wasn't every <laughs> night but they're going to remember it was every night you know because it was consistent enough And I think that's the imperfect steps. That's something that I, we want to be about imperfectly walking, but keep walking forward. So good. One other thing I thought of as you were saying is just even at um, New Year's, a new tradition we started is having each child come up with a prayer request that they want to focus on that year. And then we assign a child, a sibling to pray for the, for themselves, but also for Mm. like the sibling older than them or you know, on their issue. So it also is helping them build in, like, how can I be praying for my sibling in an area that they have said they're weak in or that they want help with? I love that. That's awesome. And I do want to be clear that it's so easy to think, like, when you hear these, like, wow, those are great. These kids, man, they're just praying for each other. And it's so imperfectly done. You know, like, there's kids being mad. Bible time, sometimes I'm just mad at all the kids right. <laughs> the whole time. Stop moving. Stop doing that. Stop. You know, let's pray. You know, right, right. so I think it's just good to realize, like, again, these are all imperfect goals, but they are goals. And I think when you write it down and you just talk through it and come up with it, you will do better than you wanted to do than you didn't without a goal. Yeah. One of my, my, uh, sort of mentors always says, God fills in the gaps and just like, yeah, they're going to, our devotional times, we're going to bring our mess into it. They're going to bring their mess. All of this is going to be gappy all over. We're going to have our gaps all over, but just seeing that we are called to be faithful and then to trust that God fills in the gaps. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. 
There, I connect you to my guests. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. All right, so let's talk another sort of element of, and I want to talk in a little bit about the Forgotten Initiative, but of having a big family, being in ministry, doing foster care, parenting kids who've experienced trauma, all these things. What does it look like for you to practice self-care? What does it look like for you to find time with God and commune with him for you to find rest. If you can't tell, I sound like a man right now because I am consistently <laughs> sick. We had to cancel a couple weeks ago because I was in the oh, hospital. Yeah. I am good at the like coffee dates by myself and treating myself. I am bad at getting into bed and drinking water and eating lunch and <laughs> <laughs> So give me help, please, on what it looks like for you to, to stay okay in the midst of all this. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, I think being really giving yourself a lot of grace because every stage is different. I'm able to do things now that I couldn't do when my kids were all little. Um, right now I can go like, so I do, I've been now pretty consistent at going to the gym in the mornings. I get up early. I found that that is a rhythm that works for me getting up early before the house is up, going to the gym. Uh, if my husband works early, often he doesn't have to leave super early. So he's there, but if he isn't, I have old enough kids that I can leave them. I couldn't do that a few years ago. And so I think those, that's something that's just a gift. So I go to the gym. Um, I, I do love to prayer journal, um, and that's something that's for me, it's just a way I commune with God. I, I need to write things out or talk things out. I'm an out loud processor, and so I need to write or talk it out for me to make sense of it. And so I'll just journal as I'm doing my Bible study. Um, often, again, like Bible study, I, I do it with noise around me. I'm okay with that. I guess I've just had to be okay with the fact that there's kids eating breakfast or there's this. And I'll just sit down and I'll do my Bible study and I'll just pray. Sometimes I say, kids, I'm praying. You cannot talk to me unless you're dying. But other than that, you know, go on and do your thing. What uh, I love about that is that your kids are seeing you do it. My kids, I don't let my kids in the room, but they know like, oh, are you doing your devotions? Are you sitting? And yes. I'm like, yeah, I want my kids to, to know, sorry, this is precious time. I'm with Jesus. And yes. so I love that doing it in the midst of everything. Like, oh, mom makes us a priority even when we're busy. And yeah. And sometimes I just put on headphones mm-hmm. and put on soft music. So it's like, I can get, if I really am having trouble, like just like getting away from it all, like in my mind, I can just put on headphones and listen to music something that's been salvation to our family. And it sounds kind of extreme probably to most people because it is extreme, but I do quiet time every single day, which means um, they have to go to their room or we don't have enough rooms for everyone to have their own room, but someone's in the living room and someone's in, you know, but they all have a place to go. Yeah. We do that, but my oldest is nine. So I love that you can still enforce it. (laughs) Oh, every summer, every day in the summer. And it's two and a half hours. (gasps) Way to go. Yeah. And I started that actually when my firstborn stopped napping at two and a half. Me too. Um, 
but it was not that long at all. But as more kids came on, I was like, I need this space. And so for me during quiet time, I might take a nap. I might work. I might, that's often when I get work done. Um, so it's just a time where they have to, they don't get electronics unless they're listening to like a story on tape or adventures in Odyssey, which is, we're huge fans of those from my childhood. Um, but they don't get to watch TV. They don't get to play games. It's just like they're alone and they have to imaginary play or they can have toys and stuff or they can, but it's, it's not, they're not going to be on their phones. They're not going to be doing video games, anything like that. Um, and they do not like it, <laughs> but, but they have gotten used to it. And there's times they will just complain about it, but honestly, they all do it. And they all, they've learned to that. That's, I just tell them guys, you need space in your life that is calm yeah. and that is quiet and it's important and you don't have to take a nap and you don't have to sit on your bed, but you do have to just be alone. You need yeah. that time. And I will say in the summer, as they've gotten older, there's days I'm like, Hey, only an hour. And they're like, Woo! which I'm like, <laughs> wow, you really played the long con. Though. I really did. <laughs> but yeah, my, all the way to my 15 year old. And I will, I will enforce that while they're in the home because it is, they need space. They need space from each other. I think yeah. even just having a big family, they need time away from each other. So yeah, it's, I agree. That's, that's key. They can only practice self-control. <laughs> Exactly. For so long. And a lot of times I'm like, not, I, it's not even that I need space from you. It's that you need space from each other. Yes. We need a time where you're not just going to be tempted every minute by each other. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I love quiet time. time. I agree. Yep. I, and I, that is so encouraging to me that you still have it with a 15. Oh yeah. I just I'm think it's important. It. I think it's, it's a core value. I think of our family <laughs> on Sunday afternoons, even my husband and I will take a long nap. Um, every Sunday, what happens? We take long naps. We make the kids do their quiet time. Then we stay up too late and then we're tired from Monday morning, but it's like our thing. (laughs) That's great. Okay. So the gym, when, what time do you go to bed to wake up early? Um, now that I'm waking up early, I, I am tired earlier. So probably 10 or before I would like to, I don't always get that. Um, but yeah. Probably 10 to 11. Yeah. Cause that for me is a big self-care thing. I feel like yes. that I do the opposite, which is I need to be a person without kids. I need yeah. to be my, with my husband without just, yeah. and so I have a hard time juggling that because, and I just, uh, welcomed a what 10 day old into the family oh. a couple of days ago. So I will always sacrifice sleep for, um, time with my husband, entertainment, and even just like me sitting. So that's always a hard balance for me. Yes. And I would say I did that a lot more. I feel like just in the past, maybe even year or more, um, I've really, maybe I'm just getting older and I'm more tired (laughs) than I used to be. But I, getting up early has been such a gift to me because I come home and the house is still quiet. I might have one or two kids up, but they know like you got to stay quiet, um, at this time. And so I think that that's like, just for example, the other day I was very stressed and anxious and I went to the gym and while I started my stuff, I was feeling stressed and it was like, literally as I worked out and worked through things, like the stress literally evaporated. And I was like, okay, I have to keep this. This is Mm. like, I just have to have this because otherwise 
I just get too, I mean, I just need it. I need it for my own self-care. And I've learned that, that it's not just a, a something I want to look good or to look, you know, right. because that stuff all fades. And as you get older, it's harder. Um, but yeah, I need it. I just need it for my emotional health. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about you. Usually these are very open-ended questions where we just talk, uh, stuff that isn't important at all, but I'm going to ask you specific questions right now because there's too much I want to know about you. So I want to know (laughs) what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching and what you're listening to, but I'm putting qualifications on these. I need to know for what you're doing. I want to hear about the forgotten initiative. I want you to um, cast vision for how people can get involved and just share with us about the forgotten initiative. Okay. So the Forgotten Initiative is a ministry, and our whole goal is to bring awareness so that people can act, serving the foster care community. Our mission is to bring joy and purpose to the foster care community. So how we do this is by locally, there are advocates who are volunteer leaders. They're in their communities, and they are starting basically ministries in their community to the foster care community they're getting to know the agencies they're asking them what is what do you need what does this community need as they learn those needs they're sharing it with churches in their area and they're mobilizing the church to serve and to mentor and to support the foster care community that happens locally on a national level with the forgotten initiative we have awareness platforms our facebook our podcast um, our instagram and now some new children's books Um, The idea there is to encourage, to bring hope, to bring awareness of the foster care community so that, again, we believe awareness leads to action. And when people know the needs, and not only know the needs, but they have tangible ways they can meet the needs, they're going to act. There's a lot more chance, better chance that they're going to act. So for our local advocates, we are there as a national team to serve them, to equip them. We support them. We connect them together. We bring them together for a retreat we're cheering them on, we're bringing resources to them. I mean, basically just trying to help them so they can have sustainable ministries in their communities. So a a TFI advocate is really starting something up on their own initiative. They're essentially starting the forgotten initiative in their area. They're starting this ministry where they're, yeah, bringing joy and purpose to their foster care community. Cool. That's awesome. All right. I want to hear about what you're reading but mm. I want to know about the Who Love series. So you got to okay. share that first. <laughs> like <laughs> so I said, I'm not doing these questions. <laughs> you get to just say what you want. <laughs> All right. Um, the Who Love series is a three-part series. It's brand new. It was just released in May. Um, and it's a three-book series to help our kids in foster care know that no matter what their circumstances, no matter how many people move in and out of their lives, that they are loved that they matter and they have a purpose. And so the first book is for babies. It's a board book. And it's essentially who loves baby, mommy loves baby, daddy loves baby, it goes into social worker loves baby, judge loves baby. It's the cast of characters involved in a child in foster care's life. The second book is for three to seven-year-olds. And this book is follows that same pattern, goes through that same cast of characters so that your little four-year-old can read that, your five-year-old can start reading mommy loves me and daddy loves me. And then the adults, your foster mom, your teacher, whoever can say, yeah, they, they love you so much, but right now they're learning how to be better parents for you. 
Um, so there's a little additional education, a little additional encouragement. So it's really meant to be read with an adult or with someone that you trust and love um, as kind of a conversation. Um, and then the third book is a, it's a little chapter book. It's for seven to 10 year olds. It's called I Am Loved. And this one kind of strays from the path a little bit. Each chapter introduces that cast of characters, but it's written in a story form and it talks, it's from the child's perspective. I never knew what a foster kid was until I became one. And it walks through when the police came and the emotions he's felt as he's lost his siblings, as he's not with his parents, as he's met his foster parents, as he's been introduced to church for the first time and talks about his emotions and how he blows up and what his therapist, how his therapist encourages. Essentially, this the third book is all there to help a child walk through their feelings and emotions. Um, and it can be a hard one. I mean, I would say reading this with your child, you want to be prepared because it can stir up. It's not necessarily just a happy story. It's It ends with, he, he doesn't know still. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. And so um, it's not based on any one child, but I will say my children's stories have been weaved throughout these books. Um, stories of kids I've learned about in foster care, families I know. We've worked with from my own experiences, but also talked to lots of foster parents, um, talked to workers, like given them this, like, read this, tell me, is this hold true? Is this authentic? Um, And so we've gotten so much input from so many people and we are so proud of these books now. And it's just, it's really been an exciting thing. But the ultimate thing is we want kids to know that they're loved and that God has a special purpose for them. That's what I was going to ask you. Are they Christian in direction and vision? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is in every book. And so, and that's intentional. And we know that there are people who won't like that, but that's okay because that's the only true hope we can bring. Mm -hmm. And that's our purpose, our mission. Again, bring joy and purpose. Well, where does joy and purpose come from? It only Mm -hmm. comes when you show Jesus. That's great. I have not read these books. I have to confess. (gasps) I, I love books about foster care for adults and for kids. I'm excited to read them and I'm sure to recommend them. To others too. Yes. And I will say the pictures, my sister actually was the illustrator and oh my goodness, she's amazing. And these pictures are so incredible. So we're, it just turned out way, I mean, just really awesome. We just were so proud. You know, it's our first experience with this. We really didn't know what we were doing, but we just were like, this is a need. We think this is a need. Yeah. 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 We got to do this. So. Oh, that's so great. I really, I can't wait to read them. Um, and I think you're right. It is a need, especially there are a couple books that I consistently point out to people, but to have one that is talking about how God loves them and bringing the hope of Jesus. It's one thing to, to help these kids feel like their experiences, um, normal to foster care and to, to help them understand their emotions and all that. But you're right. That's not where the ultimate hope is. So to be able to bring that ultimate hope Yes. And we've actually taken um, some initiative to working with some, one of my therapist friends as well um, to put on our website, which is the who loves it's who loves series.org for the book. That's where you I'll link to that. Yeah. Um, But on the website, we have a section for the parents, like how can you help helpful tips when reading this with your child? So some questions they might ask from this, here's some sample answers, some feelings this might stir up. Cool. We really, we recognize that it could bring some hard feelings too. 
Right. Absolutely. That's so great. All right. So are you reading any, are you a reader? Oh yes. Okay. So what are you reading? Well, I would say right. My, my favorite thing to read is leadership books. Um, I read those like novels sometimes. (laughs) Um, So one of my favorite recent ones was called permission to screw up. And it is such a good book because it's, it just reminds you that failure is not necessarily failure unless you don't learn anything from it. Mm. Um, and I think that's been an important lesson for me. I didn't plan to be a leader. I did not plan to start a ministry. And so I've had over the years, it's now been seven years, but especially early on, I had a lot of insecurities about what is this supposed to look like to lead something and how do you do this? And anytime I did anything that I deemed a failure, I felt like, man, I, I'm the worst scum. Of a person. And so I think to just read these books to realize as long as we, if we fail and we learn from it, it's not failure. Um, You just need to keep trying because we're not perfect. And I think that's why I think a big part of these books, I read them voraciously because you need the lesson constantly. I want to learn. I want to grow. Yeah. I want to do this thing well. That's great. Okay. What are you eating? (laughs) Um, Right now in my car. Carrot sticks and hummus. Oh, see, now Listen, you're it's, us to it's not very, again. it's not very exciting right now because I'm on a thing, and so oh. yeah, it's kind of, it's not very fun right now what I'm eating. Um, but I, yeah, so I'm eating. Is your thing right working for you? It is, and so that makes me happy. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> basically I'm trying just to eat real food okay, um, yeah. instead of processed food right now, but. This is not a normal me thing, so don't don't let people think. I don't want you listeners to think that I'm just like this perfectly healthy person because I am not. I'm trying to every morning. Yeah, I know it's it's making me it's making me sound too put together. That is not true. But my favorite candy to eat would be black licorice. And I have I have I know I know, but I have missed that so much. I'm about, I'm not a good person at moderation. I'm all in or all out. And so it's like being on a thing right now where I can't eat those things is actually better for me. It's the problem is when I get off the thing, yeah. it's like, how do I manage life? One black in moderation is actually like 14. Right. right. Or an entire bag. I eat myself sick on candy, chewy sprees, black licorice. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I love. All right. <laughs> this is more my tone of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> all right what are you watching oh I'm watching Gilmore Girls again did you watch the reboot <laughs> yeah I did I wasn't are you re-watching big that? I'm going to because I feel like I didn't love it the first time and I'm making my way through the seasons again and I think it might it might be okay we'll see all right let me ask you this what do you watch with your kids especially having that range <laughs> um well, we'll watch some just like, I'm, I'm not even sure. What do we watch with? But the new, the thing they really enjoyed was that When Calls the Heart on Netflix, but it's not, it's, I think it's on a Hallmark channel. Maybe we don't have that. Mm. Um, like family type shows. We honestly, the reality is I'm like, you guys watch something. I'll go hang out by myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I prefer. <laughs> okay. All right. And what are you listening to? podcasts all the time. Um, I love podcasts. So I really enjoy like, 
I like leadership podcasts, but if I just want to be entertained, I like um, like anything on Gimlet Media. I don't know if you know them or like Reply All or. But it's I'm more of a podcast listener than listening to music a lot. Okay, yeah, it's funny because when I form, I love music. So when I formed that question, I was expecting that every week I would have a different conversation with people's music. And yeah. every time it's podcasts. And the funny thing is, like, I have this podcast, but I don't really listen to podcasts like, <laughs> at all. And one reason is, is because the kids, I mean, I say this like every week, but the, I find it so hard to listen to podcasts with kids around. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, I would say I would listen to it while I'm, well, I do have two and a half hours of quiet time, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. that's when, or like if I'm just driving, I always put a podcast on, which sometimes I'm like, okay, Jamie, you just need to sit in silence. Like that would be healthy for you. Um, so sometimes I've got to challenge myself on that, but I love right. to listen to podcasts. Yeah. Or when I'm cooking, I'm also not good at saying, kids come help mommy cook. I'm like, okay, the kitchen is mine. Everybody out. Oh, and, you know, so I can listen then too. I literally have this invisible line that they all <laughs> yeah. know exists. And it's I like know. between the island and that you are in the line and I am cooking. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Great. Well, we got through all the questions. <laughs> I feel like I could have kept asking you questions, especially personally, just to learn from you and hear all of this. But I am so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for the insights that you shared. And thanks for um, really just teaching us and being open and vulnerable. Well, thank you, Jamie. It's been good to talk to you and get to know you better. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.